Good morning, everybody. This is the Marcus Today members podcast on Friday, the 30th of June, last day of the financial year. You might expect some sort of shenanigans at the end of the year, but it looks like all that happened last week. Our market is down five points. Seems like anyone who was going to do anything at the last minute did it at the last week. If you haven't taken your capital losses, you have but a few hours to do so. Your last moment for tax loss selling. Coming to you a little bit late today, we've had a few tech issues in the back end, so we're a bit held up today. All sorted now. Let's talk retailers. Retail sales numbers yesterday up 4.2% year on year, stronger than expected. They had stalled since November and had been falling, not helped, of course, by the RBA's surprise rate rises this year with more to come, but suddenly looking a little bit better. And after the CPI number this week, the hopes are the RBA will hold on Tuesday. I think I have to stop using this RBA rate tracker. I'm not sure it's the right number. That has the chances of the RBA holding interest rates sitting at 72% at the moment. That's up from 47% two weeks ago. But I see other strategists with other ideas. Bank of America today expects the RBA to hold interest rates steady at its meeting on Tuesday, but anticipates another 25 basis point hike in August. We, of course, have taken a bet on retailers since that CPI number. We already held LaVissa, which I did a stock take on the other day and felt that it was a fabulous company longer term. As Henry wrote it up yesterday, it is a bit recession proof. And I did walk past a LaVissa store yesterday and it was still pumping with people buying cheap jewellery. Not that we'd invest on the back of that. But we bought LaVissa a while back. We were 6% down in a few days. We're now in the money. And I have added, as of yesterday, I could have added a host of retailers, all of which had buy signals on them from Harvey Norman to Premier Investments, but opted instead for one steady one, Harvey Norman, and one more ritzy or risky one, Adairs, which does tend to move quite a bit, although you wouldn't think from what they sell it was particularly risky. But we've put in Adairs, and as of now, in two days, we're up 6.8%. Harvey Norman, we're up 0.9%. Levissa, we've gone from being down 6% to up 1.9%. This is all in the ideas portfolio in the strategy piece, or sorry, the Marcus take piece and Fortescue Metals having been flat lining after the sell-off a week ago we are now up 4.3% again so our ideas portfolio looking okay weighted to retailers and hoping that the RBA behave themselves on Tuesday and that the sector gets another kick up the biggest gains are always made out of a recovery and all the fundamentals on retailers are encouraging you to buy, but that's sort of long-term fundamental stuff. We're more interested in what what they don't do is prevent you from trading. So you're not buying a stocks, on, stocks on zero yields and 40 times PEs. Let me run down some of the yields on retailers at the moment. Wes Farmers 5.4, Woolworths 3.7. These are gross yields. Coles 5.1, JB High. 9.8, Harvey Norman 10.3, Premier Investments 8.3, Super Retail 9.2, Accent Group 13.1, KMD Brands, I was shopping in Kathmandu yesterday buying a orange puffy vest, don't know why 8.2% yield, Nick Scarly 11.1, so there is plenty of, val- not value, there are welcoming fundamentals on the retail sector and after the recent sell-off, after all the surprise RBA rate rises, 
looking for a relief rally on top of improved sentiment. We will see. For now, the retail recovery continues. In the BHP portfolio, up slightly today. We are flatlining on that as well at the moment. And similar with Macquarie, which we bought into recently, saw it fall over as the market had four days of sharp selling. Uh, We're now flatlining on that as well. And in the strategy portfolio, still in 32% cash, sort of happy with that with this sideways motion at the moment. You should note the US markets are closed on Tuesday for the July 4th holiday and close early on Monday. So next week and this week, in fact, but next week, we should see low volumes in the US can often be more volatile because people are on holiday, but there will be a lot of people taking next week as a holiday in the US. And then we have, they're already talking about it. And then we have the US results season to look forward to now the end of their calendar half year. They have a financial year end December, of course, generally speaking. So their results season, interim results season is coming up this month. And then we can start focusing on our own results season in August. Tonight in the US is the PCE price index, which is described as the Fed's preferred measure of inflation. I think the CPI numbers are their most respected measure of inflation. But anyway, a PCE price number tonight. Let's see what happens with that. Otherwise, I've started to put a table at the top of my section. Maybe I should put this in the pre-market section. I have grouped global stocks into groups, big tech, financials, industrials, global mining, global energy, global gold, and lithium. And if you look at the top of my section every day, this gives you a very good indicator how our market is likely to open or which sectors are likely to be going in what direction at the beginning. And the clear message today was financials had a good night in the US on the back of those stress tests, which they always pass with flying colours. Anyway, Wells Fargo up 4.5%, Goldman Sachs up 3%, JP Morgan up 3.5%. Solid stuff. Surprised Macquarie isn't up more than it is today. Dow Jones, of course, up 270 last night. NASDAQ was flat, tech mixed. And our futures were up 12. So our market, oh, as I as we speak, it is now plus zero. There you go. We've been down 29. We've been up 12. We're at zero at the moment. Some Chinese PMI numbers came in today. All eyes on China, of course, as far as resources are concerned. But PMI numbers today saw the third contraction in Chinese manufacturing activity on the trot in June, lowest level since November. And on the back of that, the Chinese yuan fell. Suggests the the Chinese economy is going nowhere. Although the resources sector and the energy sector, two of the best performing sectors today, but only up half a percent or so. I see 29 metals up 6% today. Can't see any specific reason why, have to say. No announcements. And the copper price not doing too much. Other stuff today, I see some strategists talking about the relentless rise in bond yields in the US. Interest rates going up, but the markets seem to be defying that or ignoring that. And the suggestion is at some point, interest rates going to catch up with the equity market. So a few strategists suggesting the equity market is at risk. Other things today, I have done a, I found it very interesting, stock take on NHF, which is NIB Holdings. You know, they've had the same CEO for 20 years. He has seen them through through demutualization and listing in 2007, at which point they were a regional health insurer based in Newcastle. They're now a $4.16 billion company, have grown fabulously. They gave me, I think they gave, I bet a lot of you have got stock they gave you because you're an NIB customer, as I was. They gave me 2,000 shares in 2007. They're now worth $17,000. I haven't sold them. I sort of forgot them. They're on an 
SRN somewhere. They're not on a hin, otherwise I probably would have sold them, being a tinkerer as I am, but still holding them. Worth $17,000, they've covered every premium I've ever paid for the whole of my family for 20 years. So all good. Thank you very much. But an impressive CEO. It's a stable, slow growth company with a not so dazzling gross yield 4.9%, not so dazzling PE 20 times, growth of sort of 5 to 7%. They had an absolute wobble in the COVID pandemic and they suspended members having to pay premiums for a while there. And the share price dropped from 820 to 350, which of course in hindsight was a fabulous buying opportunity and highlights that the, the game in the stock market is to identify quality companies. Quality is a sort of one of those words that people say it doesn't mean anything or you don't know what it means. What it means is companies that have a solid, often large, often reliable business that will be around in 20 years, as NIB has, that when you see a sentiment disaster such as COVID, you always look to buy. The main game in the stock market is not just buying good companies, holding them forever, but it is buying companies in a sentiment hole and selling them in sentiment bubbles. So NIB or NHF is the code, found itself in a sentiment hole in COVID, more than halved and has now more than doubled, has just recovered its pre-pandemic high. Anyway, a solid company sits comfortably in anyone's long-term portfolio. But if you are trying to transform your life, the only way you're going to transform your life in NHF is to buy something sexier or to be their customer. And then it might well save your life. So I've written it up as solid, not sexy. Always interesting doing these stock takes. You sort of know, think you know what a company does. Then when you actually find out, oh, interesting, always interesting. So I will be holding my NHF shares. Thank you very much. I think if I was looking to buy them, they're a bit frothy at the moment. Top of the trading range. Probably wait for a loss of sentiment before buying them longer term at the moment. Other bits of value delivered by the Marcus Today newsletter today is an article on the inefficient market hypothesis. Worth a read. Makes the point that the only thing that moves the share price is what nobody knows. It's the catch-22 of the stock market. You have guess what's going to happen that nobody expects, which is rather a good game. And I've also loaded an article called The Best Charting Software. This is a rehash of a a very old uh, article or two, but I've updated it a bit. I can tell you, if you are looking for charting as a private investor, a lot of our members are now using TradingView. Go and have a look at that. That has a free package and a paid package, but worth having a TradingView subscription. If you just want to look at charts, they have a super charts package, and I think that swept away a fair bit of the competition. doesn't do everything. We use Metastock and OmniTrader for scanning and backtesting. I don't do much backtesting, but for scanning. But that is over kill for most of you. Sorry, a bit croaky today. We do most of our charting, of course, you'll see in the newsletter on Reuters or Refinitiv, as they call themselves now. Only $25,000 a year. I'm sure you can afford that. Other bits of value delivered by the Marcus Today newsletter today include technical scans. I have broken out now or am breaking out now the weekly signals from the daily signals. So have a look at that. That's on the suggestion of one member. And thank you very much to that member who has also suggested that why do you bother doing weekly signals daily? You should do them weekly. Maybe I should do them all on a Saturday. I would love to do that, but quite honestly, Saturday is so chockers with things to do already. So, uh, and it's not much more work. So have a look at the, and I've also started doing it on Metastock instead of OmniTrader. Some of you have found that you can't match my
like Omnitrader signals. And I do note that there is a difference between Metastock and Omnitrader. Omnitrader seems to be doing a little fiddle of its own, and I'm finding the Metastock signals far purer. So I'm now using Metastock to generate these buy and sell signals overbought, oversold. So you'll find those in the newsletter today. But some of the obvious comments are that the FANG, RBTZ, NASDAQ, ACDC, all these tech ETFs are still overbought. So the bubble hasn't burst yet. Gold oversold. I've started putting in numbers with some of the stocks I've mentioned. So Neuron Pharmaceuticals, I know some members love Neuron Pharmaceuticals. Tiny wee little daily buy signal on that. But the froth is still blowing off after the share price jumped from $8 to almost $15 this year on the back of an FDA approval and a $40 million revenue event. Froth's blowing off that now. Also a buy signal on the ASX. The ASX is a solid company. I've done a stock take on them, but 24 times, 5.2% yield. It's not compelling to buy it on fundamentals. The average broker target price, 5% above the current share price. Earnings growth is sort of 3-4-5%, which is not exactly sexy. But they are in a sentiment hole after wasting $250 million on blockchain. And that, I think, has provided a longer-term buying opportunity. Yes, there is competition around. It's not complete monopoly, but still a solid business. Underperformed nastily. It'll come out of that, I think, at some point. And there's just a tiny little daily buy signal there. And Latin Resources, the $6 million man, as the Midas touch once again, he recommended this to us around 10 cents last year. Yes, we did write it up. Henry's been on it for ages. We had a member today telling us how he was kicking himself for selling it just as I did. I've led, I've left a BMW Roadster on the table in three weeks selling that at 17 cents. LRS now 32 cents, down one cent today. Lots going on in Henry's take today. So Sold some Latin resources, added some WBT. He's on the couch with Adam Dawes, our friend and stockbroking colleague from Shore and Partners. Lovely guy. Henry is talking to him on the couch today with his three best stocks. And he also looks at the retailers today. Lots of charts from Henry. And there we go. So running quietly into the buffers at the end of the financial year here, our market appropriately still up zero. Let's just push the decimal place out. Oh no, plus zero. 0.0. Let's push it out a bit more. There we go. Plus 0.01 points today. Nothing happening. Good. I will be back with the weekend email tomorrow. Bit of an inflation number out of the US tonight. RBA to worry about next week. US on holiday next Tuesday and half of Monday. That's about that. You have a fabulous day. Look out for the weekend email tomorrow.